Welcome to the Power of Food podcast. We are so excited to bring you evidence-based nutrition information focusing on addressing the root cause for imbalance. Food has the power to help you achieve lifelong optimal health without the side effects of prescription medication. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, or any other podcast platform. I am Stacy Seslowski, Functional Nutrition Registered Dietitian. And I am Leah Grace Barrick, Functional Nutritionist. Hey everyone, I am really excited for to spend the month of June discussing Alzheimer's disease, cognition, brain health, and all the things that we can do to feed our brain. I'm really excited about this topic. I've spent a great deal of time researching, learning, and understanding this topic. And my intention is for you to leave today and each of these weeks of June um, from this video thinking that there is so much that we can do that is in our control. Um, for many years, you know, and even continuing until this day, there are many practitioners and doctors who will say, well, you know, they, they get some patients that have Alzheimer's disease and they are turned away and with a little bit of sadness thinking that there is nothing that they can do. And that is exactly opposite of what I want you to understand from coming away from my videos because there is a lot we can do. And I really hope that you get that out of each of these weeks from June. So each week I'm going to be focusing on a different component of cognitive decline and Alzheimer's dementia, um, different things that we can do that to really prevent that from happening and then also even reverse it once you are diagnosed. Um, so let me just start off by giving you a little bit of the state of affairs with Alzheimer's disease and cognitive decline. Um, so one thing is that we are learning that Alzheimer's disease actually begins 20 years prior to the diagnosis. So 20 years before even getting that actual diagnosis and imagine all the opportunity that there is throughout those 20 years to begin to, to reverse or prevent that diagnosis from ever happening. So some things to think about is Think about the early signs. And you know, a lot of times people will talk about the fact that they feel like their memory is, is a little bit not as good as it used to be, or certain signs that you know that their your brain is just not as efficient as it used to be. And rather than ignoring those signs, that is the time to act because this is not just a normal sign of aging, which is something that you'll hear from many people. It is not normal to start losing your cognition and to think less efficiently and lose your memory over time. So re recognizing those early signs, and then we're gonna talk about all the things that you can do in order to, to really prevent that final diagnosis, which I already said, sometimes doesn't come for 20 years after those early signs. Um, another thing that we can think about that's in the sort of the state of affairs in Alzheimer's disease is 
in conventional medicine, what they are very focused on is the treating the symptom of Alzheimer's disease. So one of the big symptoms of Alzheimer's disease is something called plaques, amyloid beta plaques that form in your brain. Um, and what in conventional medicine and pharmaceutical companies, what they are very focused on is that this is the one cause of Alzheimer's disease and how can we get rid of those plaques in the brain. However, a different or, or um, an alternative perspective on that understanding of Alzheimer's disease is that actually the brain is creating those plaques as a form of protection. It's almost like a band-aid. Your brain is creating this band-aid on the brain because it's trying to protect the brain from inflammation, from oxidative stress, from toxins that are overloading, and all kinds of other stresses that after a lifetime, it's kind of like the brain just can't take it anymore. And it starts to create this Band-Aid as a way to protect the brain. Now imagine if in conventional medicine and pharmaceutical companies are just so focused on just taking that Band-Aid off, that's not necessarily going to heal the problem or fix the problem. It really, it actually could almost make things worse. And that is why after all this time, they haven't found a cure or they haven't found a medicine that really helps because just taking off that Band-Aid is not really the answer. The answer is seeking all the different root causes, all the reasons why the brain is creating that Band-Aid. And if we can address all those many root causes, then we can really make progress and we can really start to you know, prevent the Alzheimer's disease and even reverse it once it already exists. Um, so another piece to the conventional medicine theory of treating Alzheimer's disease, not only is it to just remove that those plaques and that Band-Aid that the brain is creating, but in conventional medicine, they're also very focused on that being just the one cause, as if just having those plaques on the brain is just the one reason for Alzheimer's disease. And if we can just get rid of that plaque, then we would be okay. However, an alternative perspective is that that, like I said before, that Band-Aid that the brain is creating, that plaque is really just a symptom of the brain trying to protect the body from all the many root causes, all the many um, reasons why the brain is under stress. So the alternative theory here is that there's not just one cause, it's not just because of those plaques that we have Alzheimer's disease, it's really because of many, many um, stresses that the brain is under throughout an entire lifetime and it comes to a point where it just can't take it anymore. So that's, that's it, the theory is that there's many causes. It's not just one. So as we continue for over, going over these next few weeks, talking about Alzheimer's and the law, cognitive decline, we're going to be addressing the possible many causes that are leading to this the brain needing to create those plaques as a form of protection. So 
What are some examples of the many root causes of, info, of the brain needing to create that plaque and then resulting in Alzheimer's disease? Um, I have a list of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Actually, I'll, I'll say nine for that. So nine possible root causes for Alzheimer's disease. Now, remember I already mentioned that you can begin to start having having signs of Alzheimer's and cognitive decline 20 years before you get that final diagnosis. And what can you do during those 20 years when you just start to notice little signs of memory loss or you know types of um, you know brain fog and and things that are just making you realize that you're just not thinking as efficiently as you used to. The number one thing I already mentioned is address it early on. Don't think that this is just a normal sign of aging. Okay, the number two thing is then to do some investigation. I'm gonna give you, like I said, nine possible reasons why the brain is getting stressed over a lifetime. So, and this is another point to this, is that everyone is very individual. So in these nine possible causes that I'm going to list to you, one or two of them might, might be appropriate for one person and the opposite ones are appropriate for someone different. So it's a very individual. Alzheimer's disease is not, like I said, it's not from one cause. There's many possible root causes and you or someone you know may not have all of them, but you might have, you know, different ones. So do some investigating and start thinking which ones are most possible in your life or your family's life. Um, Okay, the number one, what do we always hear about? Inflammation. Inflammation is um, a root cause of all problems in this world, right? Um, I will describe to you though, and I probably may have described this in the past, that inflammation is just your body's way of protecting you against an, a threat. So whether inflammation can be caused when you hurt yourself, you know, you see something uh, swell and you see it turns red and it gets hot, um, and it hurts, that's an obvious clear sign of inflammation on your on the exterior of your body. However, inflammation on the inside means that the body is reacting to something. So if you are eating um, you know, a standard American diet, let's say, then you're, you're very accustomed to eating foods that are lacking in nutrients and are high in sugar and even include ingredients in the food that you don't even know when you're reading a food label, you're not even sure what that ingredient really is because it doesn't seem like a whole food. So every time your body is getting fed those kinds of foods, it could create inflammation because your body recognizes these things as foreign and your body will react and send out immune cells to get rid of some of these ingredients and that right there is inflammation. What else could cause inflammation? Many of the things I'm about to list on the rest of this nine, nine things, nine possible root causes. So keep um, paying attention and you'll see how all the next ones could possibly be causing inflammation. Number two is insulin resistance. This is such a big one. So if you are starting, remember that we're talking about those 20 years before you ever get diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. So think about the times where you go to the doctor and you get blood work done and they measure your fasting 
blood sugar and it is 100, let's say, or 102 or 103, first thing in the morning when your blood sugar is high like that, the doctor may in their minds think, well, it's not so bad yet. Let's just watch it. Maybe they give you a little bit of instruction on how to eat a little healthier, um, but I don't think they're giving it enough emphasis. Being able to control blood sugar is one of the very most important things that we can do for our health. So if you're starting to realize that your fasting blood sugar in the morning is creeping up to, uh, it should really be in the 80s. It really should be, um, you know, mid 80s, even maybe like 90 or something. But when it starts to get towards 100, that is the time to react, not wait and watch and see what happens. This is the time to start seeking advice on how to eat healthier, how to have more hours between your meals where you're not snacking, um, you know, how to reduce your stress and get better sleep so that your blood sugar is more controlled. Number three is gut dysbiosis. What does that mean? That means if you have, everybody has gut bacteria that live in our gut, and sometimes we have one bacteria strain, one bug that acts almost like a weed and it crowds out all the other good commensal, commensal means good bacteria in your gut. And now you have sort of this one weed. How would you know if this is happening to you? Do you feel bloated after eating? Are you having, are you not having regular bowel movements? How, um, you know, what other types of GI distress, indigestion, all of these things are examples of your body telling you that something is off. And rather than ignoring these things or thinking, oh, it'll just go away or, you know, I'll deal with it or this is just normal, I've always been this way. These are the signs that during that 20 years prior to diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease, listen to your body and understand where are you deficient? Which aspect is, you know, are you experiencing? Is it the blood sugar? Is it the gut dysbiosis? Um, the next one is how many environmental toxins are you being exposed to? Are you drinking out of plastic bottles? Are you cleaning with um, cleaning materials or putting things on your skin that have lots of chemicals that your body would have to react to and cause that inflammation that I talked about before? Um, these toxins can also disrupt your hormone balance because sometimes some of these chemicals, like the chemicals that we get from plastics, they're called endocrine disruptors. They actually act like hormones in our body. And so then we start to have some hormonal imbalance. So are you having mood irregularities? Are you feeling depressed or sad? Or are you lacking joy? Or these, these again, are the symptoms that you have to start thinking, which one of these things am I experiencing and how can I investigate, really get to the bottom of this issue? Um, the next one on the list is hormonal imbalance. So especially after women are hitting menopause, 
Sometimes it is actually beneficial to consider hormone replacement therapy. The most important thing is to ask for bio-identical hormones. That's the key. I'm gonna hurry up because I just have three more. My time is running out. Actually, four more. Um, nutrient deficiency. So again, if you're on a standard American diet, it is likely, likely that you're missing some vitamins and minerals. If you're eating the same thing every single day, you could be missing vitamins, minerals, healthy fats, proteins that your body needs. So a nutrient deficiency is a good, is a definite cause for this, even if you're feeling satisfied after your meals. You don't, you feel like you're eating enough, but are you eating enough of the right things? That's the question. The last three are, actually I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, three, is um, oxygenation in your blood. So if your doctor ever told you that you were anemic, that you are low in iron, that is a sign that your blood is not circulating enough oxygen. That's another one to think about. And then the last two are sleep. Are you getting almost eight hours of deep sleep every night? That is huge, very important factor. Your body creates melatonin while you're sleeping, which is an antioxidant and protects every single part of your body from any type of stress that you're experiencing throughout the day. And then finally is stress. How stressed are you? Because stress causes the same inflammatory response that it, your body has when it gets hurt, when you have um, toxins that you're breathing in, when you're eating a food that your body has to react to. It's the same exact process when you are under stress. So those are that's a really good list of all the possible root causes. The main thing here is to start thinking about listening to your body and which symptoms are you experiencing and addressing them as soon as you begin to feel them. And then we can begin to talk next week about the types of foods that we want to eat, um, you know, dig deeper into how to address all of these different ones that I just mentioned. But my my main intention here for you today was for you to walk away knowing that there are that there is a lot we can do to prevent Alzheimer's. I don't ever want you to take that answer from the doctor who says, well, there's not that much we can do. We don't know enough about this disease. That is, go find someone else because uh, there is so much hope and there's a lot we can do. So I hope this was helpful. I really look forward to the coming weeks to really dig deeper into all of these things and um, have a great Sunday and a great week and I'll see you next time. Bye everyone.